Good morning. Give myself some walking room. Good to have everybody this morning at Oasis Church, especially the visitors. You could have went anywhere this morning and you came to visit us, and we are glad to have you. Uh, we started a series last week, Come to the Table. And uh, some will catch up a little bit. We talked about the table being the kingdom of God. The table has been prepared, just like this one. And it's been covered with the grace of God. The tablecloth represents the grace of God. Apart from the grace of God, none of us would stand a chance. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. You can be in a church 150 years. You're not good enough apart from the grace of God. We're all on level ground at the foot of the cross. So the table is covered with grace. The centerpiece is Jesus Christ. I said we're going to talk about some unlikely people that Jesus invites to the table. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let me ask you a question, and you may think it a silly question. Does anyone in this room today have a need? Anyone here have a need? I'll go a step further. Does anyone in here have a major need? Family problems, financial difficulty. You may be lost. You may have loved ones that are lost. You may need healing from disease. Problems with your job. And the thing about major problems, the thing about major ordeals in your life is they consume so much of your time, so much of your energy, so much of your thought process. And so you're here this morning, and if you don't have any major issues, I'm glad. Because that means you've been through some, and I hate to burst your bubble, but you're going to have some more. So if you don't have them, keep this in mind. Store it away for later. But if you got those needs, I'm talking about major issues in your life. And you don't need Jesus to lift every burden, just the heaviest one. You don't need him to move all the mountains, just the highest one. You don't need him to give you the whole loaf of bread, just crumbs. The title of my sermon this morning is that, Just Crumbs. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Our verse is in Matthew chapter 15. And I love this scripture. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 is where we're going to start reading. And it says, When Jesus left there, he withdrew to an area of Tyre and Sidon. And when the Bible says he withdrew, it doesn't mean he left. When, when Jesus withdrew with the disciples, what this meant was he wanted to get away from everyone else. He withdrew several times. When he went to the garden to pray, he withdrew from everyone. The night he walked on water, he had withdrawn from everyone to pray, to get alone with God. This is one of those times where he wants no distractions from the outside world because he has three years in his ministry to teach these 12 men how to go about his business when he's gone. And so he takes him and he withdraws with them. He wants to be alone. He wants solitude, alone time with the disciples. 
was these parts when he went up to the Mount Transfiguration and Moses and Elijah appeared. It was during one of those times where he withdrew from the crowd. And this, again, is what he does. He withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. And just then a Canaanite woman from the region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, Send her away because she's crying out after us. So he replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. And he answered again, it, is, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And this is her response. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus replied to her, Woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was healed. Crumbs. She came to Jesus only needing crumbs. And I want to look at three things this morning about this story. First, I want to see the mother's request. The mother's request. The reason she came is because her child was vexed with a demon. At this point, she had tried everything else. Canaanites, what they would do, their religious belief was when they conquered a certain people, and they'd, they'd done this from the beginning of, of their lineage, when they conquered a people, they would take on their God as well. So they had, the Canaanites had multiple gods, and I'm sure she had probably tried everything else, and her child was still horribly vexed with a demon. When your child is sick, it is the most helpless feeling in the world. I know this firsthand. We found out Mitchell at three years old had cancer. I've never felt more helpless in my entire life. Nothing else mattered. There wasn't any higher mountains in my life. There wasn't any darker valleys in my life. All other problems faded away because my boy was sick. I remember the day we found out. The doctor had just told us. And she said, after she told us all this, she said, do you have any questions? And my mother-in-law, this was the only question she had, can I take the cancer for him? Absolutely helpless. And so she comes and she cries out. Well, she comes to Jesus, and this is why. She has a need. Nobody else can fix it. Nobody else can touch it. Nobody else can do anything for this. I have a need. So we see the reason she came. The reason she cried is because she was at her rope's end. In the Bible, the word that it uses here is cried is to shout loudly or persistently shriek. So she was not going to the disciples and Jesus and saying, Lord, would you please help my daughter? Lord, can you help me? She was screaming, Jesus, I need help. Over and over, crying out, heartbroken and frantic. And then we see the reason she called on Jesus. Because apparently she had heard 
Apparently she had heard about the blind, about the lame, about the crippled, about those that were told to take up their bed and walk, about those that were crying in the grave and, and ripping chains from their hands and cutting themselves with stone and then suddenly being made whole and thinking if Jesus could save him from a legion of demons, surely he can save my daughter from one. Why is it important to give our testimony, to tell other people how great God is because somebody needs to hear what Jesus can do in your life? Your story may be the only thing that somebody has to hold on to that gives them hope that somebody thinks maybe if he did it in their life, I can call on Jesus. One of the good things that came out of Mitchell's cancer is the fact that we got to meet so many families that were going through the exact same thing, that were scared, that were heartbroken, that were at their ropes end when they found out the news, and we got to go and talk to them and say, Jesus can heal, Jesus can save. Mitchell's 19 years old now. Your story is of utmost importance to somebody. Your story has eternal ramifications to somebody because it may be the only sliver of hope they ever hear in their life. So if you're always negative and grouchy and griping, you're not doing the kingdom of God a bit of good. She had heard about Jesus, and she was so desperate she saw Jesus as her only hope. So that's her request. Lord, my daughter has a demon. That is the most important thing in my I'm sure she had other problems. When I found out Mitchell had cancer, I had all kinds of problems. We were a young married couple and just had young kids, and we had problems, all, all kinds of problems. None of those mattered anymore. When Mitchell was healed, we still had problems. But my biggest mountain had already been moved. Those crumbs that fell from the master's table is all I needed to get me through. And that was her request. What is it in your life? What is it that you have that you need Jesus to touch more than anything? I want you to get that resolve in your heart this morning. Laser focus on that one thing, because she was, you're going to find out in a minute, she was laser focused. She wanted her daughter healed. She didn't care if she was screaming out to a bunch of Jews. Jews hated Canaanites, hated them, their mortal enemy. And yet she came to a group of them, and she cried out. Women were second-class citizens to the Jews back then, and it didn't matter to her. She came anyway, and she cried out because her daughter needed healing. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. Push me away, I'm going to come back. Scream at me, I'm going to come back. Because my daughter needs to be healed. We see the mother's request. Second thing, and this is my absolute favorite part of this whole story, we see the mother's resolve. She was going to get what she wanted. Look at Jesus' response. And, and, and put yourself in this picture. Jesus is with his disciples, and she comes, and she's screaming. Keep this in mind. Jesus already knows what's wrong with that baby. Jesus already knows that demon by name. He knows how long she's had that demon, what caused that demon, everything that's given her trouble. He knows that Canaanite woman's name. He was there when she was born. 
here she comes, and she brings it. And he already knows. And she brings this request. And Jesus begins to set the table. I love this. She comes and she cries out. The Bible says she cried out to Jesus for help. My daughter is sick, vexed with a demon. She needs to be healed. Jesus' response was this. The Bible says Jesus didn't say a word to her. And he begins to set the table. Turns his back and ignores her. Now our response, and we're going to look at her response, but our response, what would it be? Oh, oh no, he didn't. I will not. I will. And you know, don't, don't get religious on me. If you was to come to your pastor and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for my daughter. She is sick. And that pastor turned his back and walked away. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. No, don't be getting religious on me. Oh, no, he didn't. I will not be ignored. But Jesus just started setting the table. Think about it. She was not only coming to her pastor. She was not only coming to her religious leader. She was coming to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And sometimes I think we forget who we're talking to. I think sometimes we bring a request to God, and he's like, you don't even have a clue who you're talking to. We get to, I heard a story of a woman one time, and a, and a tornado came through. And she was stuck out in the yard with her son. It had just come up on him real quick. And, and the tornado came through, and it sucked her son right out from her grasp, right up into the sky. And she screams, God, please bring my baby back. Please bring my baby back. Please bring my baby back. And all of a sudden, the wind starts to swirl, and the baby's brought right back to her. And she embraces him. She hugs him. And then she looks up and said, He had a hat, Lord. <laughs> Funny story. How many times do we do that? God, this is what I wanted, but this ain't the way I wanted it. And he ignores her. Oh, I will not be ignored. And that is where most of us, if not all of us, would have walked away. He had just started setting the table. And we would, nope. Mm -mm. We bring a request to God, and it seems like nothing ever happens. And we pray, and it seems like nothing's happening. And we pray, and we cry out, and we get serious with God, and it seems like nothing happens. And finally, we say, well, God is just ignoring me. And we quit. We walk away. And God, if you're in that position this morning, God may be just setting the table. And he continues. She does not walk away, by the way. The Bible says she keeps on screaming. She keeps on screaming so much that the disciples are like, oh, she's got to go. She is getting on my nerves. Jesus, send her away. And his second response was this. He said, I have not been called to the lost sheep, but to the children of God. 
Woo. That's worse than being ignored. Oh, so I'm not good enough for you now. Jesus tells her, she already knows she's a Canaanite. She already knows that the Messiah is the Jewish Savior of the world. She comes to him, and he says, I'm not here for your people. I'm here for my people. Ooh, oh, so I'm not good enough now. And then we would walk away, because we are tired of being judged. We are judged every day of our life on how we dress, on how we look, the color of our skin, the length of our hair, the fact that we don't have any hair, being judged. Somebody got me a shirt a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to call Stephanie out from up here. Somebody got me a shirt that was about four sizes too small. Well, you talk about making somebody feel bad. I put on that shirt, and I couldn't breathe. I, I was like this in my office. I said, maybe this is just how the kids are wearing it these days. And I took it off and immediately signed up for the health and wellness class that starts tomorrow. We're judged all the time. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too short. You're too tall. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to be judged by somebody. And she had been judged her entire life by the entire Jewish population. And she comes to the one that is supposed to be the savior of the world. And he tells her she's just not good enough. And if we hadn't, if we had the faith to stick around while being ignored, that right there might have just done it. I'm not here for your kind. I'm here for my people. What is the difference between the way we would react and the way she did? She had something that was more important than anything else in the world. Her pride did not matter. She wanted that baby healed. And then he sets the last place. And he tells her, I'm not here for your people, I'm here for my people. And instead of walking away, she comes to him. And she said, yes, Lord, but I need help. He sets the last plate. And his response is this. It is not right to throw the children's food to the dogs. All right, Lord, I'll let you ignore me. I'll even let you tell me I'm not good enough. But I will not be insulted. You are not going to sit there and call me a dog. And I said, I, if you've never heard this story, I can tell by some of the looks on your faces, I can't believe Jesus said that. You ever been insulted? I'm not, I'm not talking about by accident. I've been insulted by accident a lot of times. I remember uh, as, at, at a young age, my, I had a high voice when I was a, a kid, and I would answer the phone. And every time I would answer the phone, 
I would get this same response. Mrs. Robinson? My response was always, no, this is not Mrs. Robinson. I'm not talking about accidentally insulted. I'm talking about, sure enough, you know you are being insulted. And it always is who is insulting you that matters. Because I get insulted all the time. Most of the time, I don't care. Because you've got to consider the source. But if it's somebody that you respect, if it's somebody that you love, if it's somebody you look up to, if it's somebody in a position of power, then it hurts. I remember taking my family to church. We sat in the back. There's a church of about 40 people. We were the only new family. Everyone else there had been a member of that church for 623 years. And the preacher, his entire sermon was this. We don't allow trash in this church. He said those words from the pulpit. Knowing good and well, there wasn't but one family in that church that was new. And I said, bless him, Lord. <laughs> Lori screamed, hold my hoops. And, uh, and I might have deserved it. And I might have walked away that night and said, I'm done with church. I don't have to. I can go to work and be insulted. I sure don't have to come to church and do it. However, at the time, I was a pastor, so I had to go back to church. Jesus tells her, after she has cried and cried and poured out her heart, he said, it is not right. And he sets the last place at the table. It is not right to give the children's food to the dogs. That hurts. That hurts. But she just kept coming. She just kept I heard a pastor one time, in fact, I just heard this yesterday, a pastor had uh, picked a Sunday night and he handed out a sheet to everybody. And he said, I want you to write down all the problems in the church. So he passed out the papers, he passed out the pens, and everybody listed all the problems in the church. He gathered them up and he looked at them and he read them before the church. And he said, the, the majority of what is wrong with this church is number one is there's too much food. We just eat too much. We don't ever get together without eating. He said the second answer was this. We don't eat nearly enough. We need to have more get-togethers. We need to have more fellowships. We need to have more food. He said the third answer was our music is too loud and too upbeat, and too contemporary. He said, and the fourth complaint was, we have too many hymns in our church. And he read these, and everybody did, kind of like y'all did. He chuckled. We've all been there. And then the pastor said this. He said, I'm going to write down at the bottom the problem with this church. And everybody perked up, and they listened, and they all gave him his undivided attention. He said, the problem with this church is, he said, of all the things that was wrong with this church. 
no one mentioned Jesus. No one mentioned that Jesus is not saving enough souls in here because we don't bring them in. Nobody mentioned that Jesus is not moving enough because we're not willing to let him move in our church. He said the problem with this church is not too much stuff or not enough stuff. It's not enough Jesus. And I can almost see a smile curl up on Jesus' face as he sets the last plate. As the disciples, and you know they were gleaming with joy as he told her, it's not right to give the children's food to the dogs. And he sets the table, the last piece, smile curls up on his face, and he begins to turn away. And she says, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat from the crumbs of the master's table. All she needed was a crumb. All she needed was that one thing in her life to be fixed. There is nothing you can say, nothing you can do. You can physically drag me away from here, but I'm coming back because there is something I need, and it's more important than anything you have in your bag of tricks. And she coming back. So we see her request. I love her resolve. I love her resolve. She came and she said this, a crumb might be all I get, but if it comes from his hand, a crumb is all I need. How big is your problem today? How high is your mountain today? My request to you is this, keep on coming, keep on climbing, keep on crying out, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, because don't let anybody, don't let anybody ever keep you from what God has for you. He has already set the table, and he's waiting, he's waiting. He set every piece of this table for her. He ignored her. He told her, I didn't come for your kind. I came from my people. He said, it's not right to give what my people have to the dogs. And he set the place, and she kept coming back. So we see her request. We see her resolve. Now look at her reward. Look at the mother's reward. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, acknowledges her Your faith is great. I, I love a compliment. I love a compliment. Can you imagine Jesus Christ telling you how great your faith is? It happened twice. Jesus had 12 apostles. This happened twice in Jesus' ministry. Him telling someone, your faith is great. The other one, he said, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. It happened two times with this woman in this story and with the Roman centurion. The Roman centurion came to Jesus and he said, my servant is sick. He needs to be healed. Jesus said, well, show me where he is. He said, you don't have to go. All you have to do is speak the word and it'll happen. Two times. You know what both of those people were, according to the Jews? They were dogs. Romans and Canaanites. He acknowledges her faith. 
And then he rewards her faith. He says, let it be done as you would want it to be done. And that same hour, her daughter was healed. She didn't wait for confirmation. She didn't ask. She simply went home believing God had done what he said he would do. I started out this sermon asking you Do you have a problem? Do you have a situation in your life? And it was the, the biggest thing on your mind when you walked in here this morning. And for the last week, the last month, the last year, the devil's been whispering in your ear, God doesn't care. God doesn't have time for you. Don't bother him with that. But I want you to know there is there is hope. Maybe today is the day that the master responds to your cry. Maybe today is the day that your mountain is moved in your life. Hopefully today, if you haven't already, you'll call upon him to be saved. Hopefully today, he will whisper in your ear, I've already taken care of it. You say, preacher, you don't understand. You have no idea what I'm going through. And I don't. I have no idea. But the Bible tells us about some people that have went through some stuff. Take a look at Jairus' daughter. Dead. There is no more finality in life than dead. There is no hope at a funeral apart from Jesus Christ. And yet he goes in and he raises the dead. Look at Lazarus. He'd been dead four days. Four days. We see Jesus walk up to the tomb and say, Lazarus, come forth. We see a multitude of hungry people. And watch as Jesus feeds all of them. Five fish and two loaves. And I could go on and on. The disciples in the stormy sea Jesus steps up on the bow of the boat and says, Peace be still, and the water is clear and calm. The, the leper, the blind, the deaf, the crippled, the demon-possessed. I'll do you one better than that. Look at the cross. Look at Jesus hanging there. Look at Jesus dead on the cross. Watch him pull his body off of the cross and lay it in an old, cold, borrowed tomb and for three days guard it. And watch him come out on that third day victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. I don't know what you're going through, and it doesn't matter what you're going through. Jesus, who done all those things, is still alive and well today. He is still doing all those things in our lives today. And all you have to do is keep coming, keep knocking, keep climbing, keep reaching, keep begging. Because nothing the devil does should keep us from getting to what Jesus has for us. So what is your problem? What is your situation? What is the thing you need most? You come in here with one thing on your mind. I need crumbs. What is it? The table has already been set. Jesus was around the elite of his ministry, the 12 apostles. And yet that day he set one table. It's for a Canaanite woman who would not give up. With every head bowed and every eye closed.
as the music plays softly. Let me ask you this. What do you need from the Lord? She had laser focus. It was something she had. She needed. Only the Lord could take care of it. What is that in your life? If it's not that big a deal, you hold on to it. You walk out of this room with it. If it consumes your thoughts, your fears, your time, your relationships, if it consumes every part of your being, if you can't think or do anything for the kingdom of God because of this thing, why don't you come? Lay it on the altar. Keep knocking. Keep reaching. Keep climbing. Keep searching. Because the same Jesus that told her, let it be done, is the one speaking to you today. The same Jesus that raised the dead, healed the blind, and conquered death, hell, and the grave is the one speaking to you right now. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. Why don't you come? I'd love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. here this morning you got some stuff going on and you need Jesus to touch it don't let the devil stop you don't let anything stop you 5,000 man army couldn't stop me from getting to Jesus when I needed him most why don't you come can't do anything for you. Jesus can do it all. Had she walked away that day, her daughter had never been healed. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is you need that crumb for. Whatever it is, it's worth getting a hold of Jesus. altercation with anyone keep you from what Jesus has for you. There ain't nobody that important. Why don't you come? Just another minute to I'm going to keep the altars open and then we're going to close. But don't leave here with that on your heart and on your mind. Lives hanging in the balance. set the place at the table for you he already knew what you were going through and he's waiting for you to ask he's waiting for you to seek him to keep knocking to keep coming to keep crying 
Don't give up. You've come too far. Don't give up. I've got some stuff in my life. I need Jesus to get a hold of me. And I want you to join in prayer with me. I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, put your hand up, put it right back down. God bless that hand and that hand. Hands all over. God bless those hands and those hands. I got some stuff. And I need Jesus. And I need to keep coming back to Jesus. And I need to keep coming back to Jesus. Don't give up on me. Don't walk away. Might just be putting the last piece of the set at the dinner table. Father, we're so thankful for this day, for all the blessings in life you give us, to be able to come into your house and worship you, Father. We're so thankful that we have a place to come, that we have someone to cry to when no one else understands. When the whole world comes crashing in on when everyone else tries to push us away and pull us away, you're always right there. You're always drawing us near. Or for those that came to the altar, I pray a special blessing upon their lives. For the things they're going through, I pray that you'd step in. Today will be the day that those mountains are moved. But today will be the day where you whisper in their ear, it's all taken care of. I've already got it. For all those hands that went up and going through some stuff. Bless them, I pray, Father. Help them to hold fast to you, to look to you, to cling to you, and to keep coming back time and time again. That our testimony will draw others to the hope that we have in you. Thank you for this service, for all those that came out, Father. Thank you for this church, for the ministry that it does. We ask all this in your sweet and holy name.